Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm trying to do my best John Neppel, Father John Neppel impression. We're here in the basement in Boulder with uh, my fellow com- compañero de Cristo, right. Joe Doman. Howdy. Welcome. Thank you. Well, are you saying welcome to me or welcome to the listeners? Both of them. I welcome you both. Well, thank you. Um, so how did that go? Uh, that's the first time I've ever introduced one. So. <laughs> that was good. You know, this is Catholic stuff you should know. In case you've never listened before, you probably know since you clicked on it. I I'm that. Joe. This is Nathan. We don't need a reintroduction. We just need to make sure that that first introduction was sufficient. I think it was great. We've established that. You're doing a great job. Please affirm me more. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so sorry. apparently I'm talking today. Uh, I'm leading this discussion, so normally the other person says, so what are we talking about? But since I'm introducing the topic, I'm just going to go launch right into it. So so what are we talking about today, Nathan? Oh, good call. Um, story first. Always like to uh, whet the appetite. So this weekend, uh, I made dinner for our house, as you remember, and I had to go through the extensive process of making runzas or beer rocks. What did you think of said runzas or beer rocks? The run is that what they're called? The bread? Yeah, the dough pockets. The sausage bread? Yes. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. This... It was excellent, actually. I wasn't there for the Lord's Day dinner. We had a, we have a Lord's oh, that's Day. That's right. You had leftovers. Yeah, we have. At, uh, Nathan's referring to the Companions of Christ, which is a clerical association. Now, since we have clerics that Nathan and I are both members of, even though we're not clerics, we're seminarians. Yeah, a cleric association. But uh, priest living fraternity, Father John and I have talked about it a little bit, but uh, one right. of our practices is that we celebrate the Lord's Day every Saturday, usually. Uh, just a meal Saturday night to entering the Lord's Day, right. the you know the Christian Sabbath. And Nathan was on cooking last week, and I wasn't there, but apparently these runzas, as you so call them, Right, you excellent. had it. You had it. After. I did the leftovers, yeah, and it was after. it was awesome. Leftovers, as in like an hour after we ate. So don't think that I was just throwing in the scraps that fell from my table. Okay, so I had to go through the extensive process, which was like eight different steps uh, on how to make these, and and then the, the, it was kind of scary because uh, anytime I've worked with yeast, I've I've always somehow killed the yeast with you know too much hot water. Or I just throw too much flour in, and you know. Whatever. So I had to wait the entire time to see if it was going to emerge as the final product, namely uh, a perfectly golden brown uh, lead brick that's going to, you know. Sit in your stomach for six hours and keep you awake at night. Exactly. So that happened. And I was really pleased about that. But it got me thinking about how exactly do you make a saint? How exactly does the church, I mean, not just like, you know, say your prayers before you go to bed and make sure, you know, you wash your hands after you go to the bathroom or something. Um, Like, what are the things that the church does after a person dies to get to the final product of St. Cunegunda? Oh, yeah. How does the process work? Well, we're going to go through. I see the analogy. That is a great, that is a great question, Joe. We're going to go through that today. Remember, this is Catholic stuff you should know. (laughs) Like us on Facebook. (laughs) we're gonna get to that later okay so the first thing that you have to do is you have to die um so let's 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 say that there is a uh not a venerable let's say that there's a holy man in boulder say john nepple and he i'm not making up any names just you know exactly this is all hypothetical Mm -hmm. people 
and he's still alive. So, you know, just in case you're tuning in right now to the podcast, John Apple is not dead. So disqualified uh, from being a saint. Disqualified from yeah, exactly. You can't become a saint in your lifetime officially declared by the church. But a person who is a saint and is declared a saint was a saint and is a saint throughout his entire life. So um, you're not canonized a saint like Mother Teresa. Everybody called her a living. She was a, the a, living saint. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Good point. But she wasn't canonized. I mean, there's a to become a saint. You don't just get called a saint. That's right. By a lot of people. Actually, that's kind of what happened in the early church. Uh, they would right. call people saints because they just knew they were right. They were holy out of your mind. Exactly. But Mother Teresa is probably one of those people. But there's still a process for her after she dies. Exactly. She's got to get in line. So the, right. the first thing, the first thing you do is die. The second thing you do is most of the time the the process has to wait five years. I don't know if it's a chance to give the body a time to ferment. Uh, in the grave or right. wherever, um, but you usually wait five years before you open up the cause for sanctity. And don't add too much hot water. Exactly. Also don't don't add any hot water to the to the grave site because who knows what that's going to turn out to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually began in the diocese where they uh, worked or died. Um, so I was interested in that because uh, Saint Francis Cabrini worked in our diocese. Uh, Denver, right? Uh, but I, th- I think her her canonization was ultimately pushed through, either in Chicago or New York, where she's buried, or she had her center of operations. But since this one is John Neppel, uh, if John Neppel, you know, so John Neppel dies. John Neppel lived a good life, holy priest of God. Eventually succumbs after a long and painful um, runs of food poisoning, um, and. Um, and yeah, we we want to we want to open up his cause for canonization. So the dio- the diocese that he lives assigns someone who kind of begins the process, puts together the paperwork. Um, and if the paperwork, after sufficient inquiry into his life, you know, going in, I mean, now you'd probably have to go into his emails, his journals. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So anything- when you say when you say paperwork, what are you talking about? Just like investigations yeah, on this person, or yeah, everything you know from his biography to what exactly he did in his life. Um, yeah, what he wrote, what he said. Did he say anything that was like unsaintly? He, he said a lot of things, but then he kind of said a few things that were like a little off kilter. Um, all of these podcasts will probably keep me from sanctity. There you go. Um, so, and so that person goes through all this stuff and then eventually they submit that to, uh, Rome. Once the, once the paperwork is all in order and Rome actually says, okay, there's something to be investigated here. The person is then declared a servant of God. So the only servant of God that, can you think of any? Uh, there's a, probably a whole bunch. I know John Paul II in his uh, biography that George Weigel wrote. Mm-hmm. Any like there's multiple people uh, in the biography Weigel's referring to from John Paul's life, mm-hmm. and he like a bunch of them he refers to a servant of God, yada yada yada. Really, partly because I think John Paul is the Pope, and he knew this person was a saintly person, and so he said, "Let's push it." You know, so he started a cause for so many people. Yeah, um, and so they were servants of God. But I know um, Fulton Sheen; he's a servant of God. Yeah. His his cause of canonization is underway, right? But he's that he's on the first stage, I think. Exactly. We're, so he'd be servant of God, Fulton Sheen. Servant of God, Fulton Sheen. The only one, uh, other one I know. You took one of them, Fulton. Uh, Catherine McCauley, um, who is the foundress of the Sisters of Charity. 
Okay, by Sisters of Charity, I actually meant Religious Sisters of Mercy, which I should know because they teach at our seminary. RSMs. The RSMs. So Catherine McCauley, they would always pray for her uh, cause to be moved through. Um, So, yeah. So once the cause is accepted by Rome, they're a servant of God. And then that person is assigned a postulator. Postulate meaning to... Ask. Yeah, to, to pose the question. Is this person a saint? Let's let's kind of set up an inquiry. Eventually, uh, after all of the... Oh, and that was the other thing. The, the process is five years, but many times that process can be waived. Um, Pope John Paul II waived the process. Uh, for Mother Teresa. For Mother Teresa. And Benedict XVI waived it for... Pope John Paul. Pope John Paul. And then eventually, you know, we'll keep this sweet deal going, and then, you know, maybe the next Pope will uh, waive the process for Benedict... I would predict he's a saintly man. He is. I mean, a saintly man. I don't think as far I'm as I know. So um, once they get the postulator, and then eventually they they uh, the congregation for the causes of saints, which is where the the postulator kind of operates from. Once that person has gathered enough information, um, and there has been a determination that this person has embodied a life of heroic virtue. So the the virtues that they're looking at are the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, charity, or the uh, it also listed the cardinal virtues, so prudence, temperance, fortitude, justice. Um, if if there's a combination of those or one of those in particular, um, and that their life has exemplified heroic virtue, then they become a blessed, venerable. Ooh, venerable. Venerable. I about that step. Venerable. So uh, a famous venerable would be. Uh, I mean, his name's Venerable Bede, but he's a saint. He used to be just Venerable Bede. Really? But like for years, I don't even. I mean, I think he was just made saint like recently. No, I think that's just like his like name from antiquity. Mm. They always call him Venerable Bede, but he's like been a saint or whatever. But you know who is a venerable is uh um. Shoot, St. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux's parents. Really? Mm-hmm. His I, whole family is like blessed and venerables and saints. I think uh, Cardinal Henry Newman was venerable for the longest time. And then oh, really? he just became blessed, right? Blessed John Henry Newman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so we're just at the stage of venerable, which means they can be... You're asking me questions? I don't venerated. Know. Venerated. Let's venerate them. I thought you'd be really good at languages because, like, you know all the Latin roots, so... Mm, not as much as you'd think. Uh, so, Sorry to so, disappoint. So, so, to, they can be venerated in the sense that their, their life, not venerated in the same way as a saint. So, as of yet, we have not yet um, have a fully formed runza. Um, that we're still, we're still baking in the oven. So then you're really going to pound this analogy out. I'm going to, I'm going to roll this analogy out if you will. Oh, stop. Um, so I feel like, I feel like, uh, Brian in our class, he's always saying puns. Feels so dirty. Um, okay. So it says a venerable has as of yet no feast day, but prayer cards may be printed to encourage the faithful to pray for a miracle wrought by his or her intercession. Ah, so now, once we get to this point, we come uh, to a bifurcation, meaning to bifurcate, a separation of the roads for those whose path ended in either a very boring, slow, but heroic death, or those who perhaps had a slow, painful, agonizing martyrdom death. So if the person was uh, a martyr, 
the only thing that needs to be investigated is uh, did this person give his life as a martyr for the faith? Hmm. I mean, just because they died doesn't make them a martyr. But if they died for the sake of, um, you know, defending defending the faith or witnessing to the faith, like uh, Maximilian Colby, a lot of people uh, didn't know when 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 the time came for him to be uh, canonized. Well, will he be a will he be a, a just a, a martyr a martyr mm-hmm. or you know you know still among the saints? But the martyrs have a particular category, right? Well, wasn't it like a I forget the Latin, but I think it's like odium fide or something like that. Fide, hatred of the faith, mm-hmm. um, which has to be there for martyrdom. Like they have to be killed because someone who's killing them hates the faith mm-hmm. or is acting directly against the faith. And there is all this because Maximilian Kolbe, right. he didn't, he wasn't killed because he was a Catholic priest. He was killed because he offered his life right. for another man who's a family man who was going to sure. be killed. And he said, "I'll take his place." Yeah. But John Paul II's argument was the ones who killed him there was a severe hatred of the human person in general as a, right. You know, and, and so, which is a part of our faith, you know, reverence for the human person and the dignity. So I, he, his argument was something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was so much debate over it that no one really knew, like there was no definitive argument until the Pope came out in red vestments the day of his, uh, uh nice. yeah. He's like, look, when it, when it comes down to it, I'm the one that's going to make the final ruling. The red so. vestments, meaning the, the martyrdom. Right. Thank you. That's and awesome. then another another interesting tidbit, um, and I didn't realize this, is um, every single saint who's mentioned in the Roman canon, or uh, what's commonly known as Eucharistic Prayer 1, um, every single saint in that one, other than the Blessed Mother, is a martyr. Really? I didn't Except know Except St. Joseph. Who was added only in like 1963? Oh no way! I didn't know that. So yeah, like all I started listing them off. I was like, oh, I'll be darned. Pretty cool. Every single one of them. So uh, if they're a martyr, just a determination, and then uh, they don't have to have a miracle because uh, their death is the kind of miracle. Right. It kind of classifies. It qualifies as one. Doesn't the uh, if they start a religious institution or order qualify as one too? Uh, I did not read that. Okay, I might be making that up, but I have that somewhere in my head. Hmm. Yeah, that probably would be a lot of martyrdom. But yeah, seriously. Um. So yeah. So then, uh, if they if they were not a martyr, then what the what the people are praying for as once they're at the stage of venerable is that they would become a blessed, right? Um. And um. In order to as a sign of their blessedness, um, they would work. Uh, a miracle granted through their intercession, but always the miracle comes from God, not just from the saint. He's he's always, he or she is always, you know, part of this mysterious union with the Lord. And the interesting thing is with blessed, um, blessed from the Latin beatus, mm-hmm. and we, we speak of the beatific vision. So th- when we say a person is beatified, we're making a statement that this person is is sharing in the uh, vision of God. What's uh, the difference of that? I mean, isn't that the same thing as saying they're a saint? Once they're a saint, then their life, we're going to get to that. They're, it's like, then there's a definitive statement, like, he is in the canon. Oh, okay. is it something like this? Like, to say he's beatified, it means, like, he's in heaven. To say he's a saint is like, we're going to hold him up and to say, this is somebody to follow as an example, like... Maybe there's some distinction there. Like, yeah, I think that I think that it, they they didn't say they didn't come down and say 
uh, blesseds um, uh, are definitively sharing. But in order to work a miracle, there had to be some access to the Lord through their prayers and intercession that they could um, work this kind of uh, miracle, which always has to be, gosh, there was four things. It's like instantaneous, um, lasting, um, immediate. I say that one? Instantaneous, immediate, lasting. Uh, has to be, it can't come from natural causes. Like, yeah. has to, like there has to be no way, unexplainable mm-hmm. by natural causes. Yeah, so this is for, if say, you know, you're praying uh, to Fulton Sheen that your daughter is healed from cancer mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And she ends up being, for some reason, the cancer's gone. Doctors can't explain it. Any miracle that's reported and documented like that mm-hmm. needs to be, has to happen immediately. It wouldn't be like a gradual healing where she gradually got better or, right. mm-hmm. or you know, um, well, it kind of mostly went away, but not completely. It has to be absolute, complete, instantaneous. And the doctors are like... We have no way to explain this, you know, yeah. and and this is this is important, I think, for people to know too, because we don't take the church doesn't take canonizing saints lightly, mm-hmm. you know. When we say somebody's a saint, it's not like right. we're just itching to make saints, you know. And anything we can find, we're kind of like, oh, maybe this is a miracle, you know. We're just gonna we're just gonna say it is because we don't know, and we love having saints. It's like no, the church, for the sake of the integrity of what it means to be a saint, mm-hmm. is very solicitous um, in preserving the integrity of the process, and so. I mean, it's hard to come up with these miracles, you know. This, you can have these holy cards printed and sent everywhere and say, pray to the intercession of Blessed John Paul II for, for whatever, right. you know. And so when there's a, an opportunity possibly for a miracle and it happens, and I think isn't John Paul, for his beatification, um, at the ceremony there was a sister who had been, who was, right. was you know, in, took part in one of the miracles needed for his beatification, and she was healed completely inexplicably from Parkinson's disease, which mm. also happened to be the disease that John Paul II himself had. So, um, but that, that sister had, had, you know, her d- illness had been do- well documented and there's plenty of evidence that she definitely had it. It went away and they have no, they have no reason, no explanation for it, it happened immediately. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the cool thing is too, that um, sometimes people are healed and it still doesn't count it. So, like, how many miracles do these people actually yeah, have? Really. I mean, miracles in in our sense of the word, like, inexplicable. But yet, if there's any kind of, you know, if they were taking different medications and no one can f- figure it out. Or if, if, say, like, the grandma was praying to, you know, Venerable Henry Newman, but then, you know, grandpa was, you know, his his was, you know, another Venerable. And then you find that out later. Well, they can't really ascribe, you know, they, they can't. Uh, right, yeah. Get a telephone into heaven and say, you know, which one of you guys were, you know, near the intercession phone at that point in time. So, uh, the other point that I forgot to mention before the person is a blessed, but I guess we're in that part. Once they become a venerable, their body is exhumed because you want to see, you know, it's been five years. Yeah. There should be some organic decomposition. Um, and they they want to see first that, I mean, I, I think... Um, because a lot of times they've dug these people up. St. Bernadette. Um, St. Therese? Uh, St. Therese, no. She's not incorruptible. Mm-mm. I mean, Saint, no. St. Bernadette so. definitely is. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we did a podcast on incorruptibles a while back, and we talked about Bernadette, Catherine of Siena. Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch. Je- Blessed John the 23rd. 
is yeah. hanging out in the Vatican, St. Peter's. You walk in. That's a big looking dude. good. So, uh, so then they 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 take they do some. They want to make sure that no one's tampered with the body. One, there's no like uh, mysterious cult already uh, attached to the the body where people are going and possibly taking relics or funky. Um, yeah. It's weird. Oh, hey, isn't one of the things, too, to even have this process of canonization um, is that there has to be a devotion to that person from the moment of their death. People begin to kind of reverence them as a holy person and pray to them. Like, there has to be some sort of cult forming from the very beginning that, you know, Fulton Sheen dies and immediately people are like, Fulton Sheen, pray for us. You know, jo- blessed John Paul XXII dies. Like, there isn't that one of them, or did you? Read well, about that? I think uh, I think it can originate certainly from that, but it also can come from the diocesan level, or you know, right. Well, you would only go to the diocese though if people were, yeah, were pushing it, who were, yeah, you know, a cult of some sort of worship or right worship of God, you know, through the intercession of this person. Was that yeah, right? yeah. We're not just we're not just picking random people and being like, you know, we're going to spend a lot of money to see if, you know. Yeah, Frankie down the street seemed like a holy dude. Let's see if he's a saint, you yeah. know. Yeah. Turns out he listened to podcasts, so uh, <laughs> guy's definitely not purgatory. Um. So, yeah. So they exhume the body, take some relics, so they probably take a femur bone and some fingernails and whatever else. So then uh, once that person gets a miracle and, you know, it's an actual miracle and they've uh, uh, certified it, then that person is declared a blessed. Many times, th- then that's at a process called the beatification ceremony, um, where the Pope does something. I've actually never seen one of them. So, um, uh, Tyler, our one of the guys who lives in our house, went to, well, he went to the canonization right. of St. Damien, right. martyr of Molokai. Not actually a martyr, because he just died of leprosy. Yeah. But that's what he's called. Uh, yeah. So then... Um, so then they're they're beatified that that uh feast can be celebrated in the diocese the the local diocese or if given special permission can be extended to um other dioceses but then we come to the granddaddy of mall the well-formed golden brown runza canonized saint he gets another he or she gets another miracle it's just one more sign you know if you're really there lord strike this lightning you know on this tree twice and uh, another miracle occurs, uh, which is actually what we're waiting for. I think for Mother Teresa, hmm. which I mean, Lord knows she's gonna she's gonna have a dozen by the time it's all over with. Um, and then uh, once that person is uh, has the miracle, then they can become canonized. We talk about um, like the canon of Scripture. It's like we're we're saying oh th- yeah that he, I've never made that connection. This person is. In this uh, whole um, rule or set, or he's the standard, um, and and like he's included in all of the multiplicity of different people. Well, I would think also. I mean, the connection that I was thinking about was the um, the Roman canon, which is another name for the Eucharistic prayer. Right. Uh, when someone is made a saint, we can insert them into the Roman canon. When, when we're praying the Eucharistic prayer, like we can add their name right. in, on their feast day. Um, I, I'll, can you do that with a blessed or no? Well, if you're given, if you're given permission, I guess. So. Um, but but this, this way, they're in the canon of the church, meaning anybody can do it, right, on their feast. Day. Well, the Roman, the Roman canon, like we said, is is only Eucharistic prayer one, right? Um, so they they would they would be included in the 
I mean, yeah, every 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 saint is a saint for the universal church. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Um, and so canonized. That makes sense. So then now uh, they have they have their feast day uh, within like on a on a particular day, usually the day of their of their death, unless that conflicts with uh, another holy person or say they die on December twenty fifth. A lot of times they'll choose another one. I think John Paul II's is going to be like in October or something, mm-hmm. right? October. It was the day he was installed as Pope, as Pope I think. Yeah. October 22nd, I believe. Yeah, which it would be. Uh, he was elected Pope on the 16th, uh, but that's already another, another already Saint, St. Margaret Mary. Running out of room. That's yeah, it's right. one of the things I think we did um, after the council, after Vatican Council Two. Mm-hmm. we uh, kind of... I don't know, cleaned house as far as how many feast days and stuff we have. Um, because it used to be there's feast days all over the place. But now they, they tried to, the church tried to clear out Lent, I know, from mm-hmm. a lot of the feast days so that we're hearing the readings and the prayers of, that are supposed to be during Lent and mm-hmm. Advent. But there's a few in, that are still in there that, you know, saints that are, are very popular devotionally or just very important, popular, like St. Patrick is in Lent, you know, usually a lot of the time. So, yeah. But yeah, interesting. So, but there's a whole. There's a saint, multiple saints for every day. There's right. a whole bunch of them. Right. So yeah. So not every, not every, not every saint is included in the particular um, ordo or like the the rule for what you should celebrate on that particular day in that particular diocese. Hmm. Um, so once they're once they're a canonized saint, uh, if they if they are canonized. You, as long as there's not another, like you wouldn't celebrate a saint's feast day on a Sunday because that's the day of the resurrection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's, it's, it's probably important to talk about too. Like, why do we, why do we have saints? Like, why does the church think it's important to be like this person, go through this right. whole long process, all these right. investigations. There's probably a lot of money that has to get put in this just for the process to get oh, yeah. pushed through. Like, what's the point of this? Why are we, why are we making saints? Well, uh, especially with uh John Paul II he was saying we need to have saints who people can relate to who people who who are you know uh moms dads laborers in the world uh old priests maybe young priests religious uh and so like a whole variety so that people can say people people can't just say well in order to be a saint you have to be religious or in order to be a saint you have to have a perfectly clean record yeah um, yeah well actually that's true in fact this is um, i totally uh drew a blank here but i've been to a beatification mass no oh. when i was in rome i totally forgot about that blessed Anne catherine emmerich em- uh, and catherine emmerich really yeah she was a stigmatist and she her um meditations were used in mel gibson's yeah the, do- the passion dolores yeah passion? the dolores passions is her her uh, meditations, but I was there for her beatification. And while I was there, it was interesting. There was an interview. I was talking to, uh, he's a priest now, but he was a seminarian at the time in Rome. And he was sharing with me how he was watching Italian TV. And there was a guy going off on there about like, you know, cause with, um, Anne Catherine Emmerich, they also beatified Carl von Habsburg, who was the yeah. last Roman emperor. He died in like Austria. 1920. Yeah. In yeah Austria. Yeah. So he's pretty recent. Uh, and he's, he was a married man, po- politician, you know, and he's beatified. And the guy was going off about, you know, this is so political and the church is just playing these political games. And like there's there's so many monks and, and sisters, even in just Italy, that should, be, you know, are probably holier than this guy. And they should canonize those people. And my seminarian friend, um, 
he was he's now father kim shrek in pittsburgh and he goes you know this guy he doesn't get it like john paul doesn't just want we can have i mean there's there's a ton of monks and sisters i mean there's there's many more saints than the canonized quote unquote saints mm-hmm. um because a saint is just someone who's in heaven who's before god i mean that's the the common usage of the term yeah. um and there you know these people don't need to be canonized because we already have a ton of the <laughs> of monks and and yeah. sisters i mean and we should you know not, not that it's bad to canonize them, but John Paul is very big on the laity um, need examples of how to be a saint in the lay life. Because, you yeah. know, we're all called lay, priests, religious, mom, dad, worker, whatever. We're all called to be saints. And so we need examples of mothers and fathers and politicians like Carl von Hofburg and um, people who aren't your, you know, your um, stereotypical saint you know who lived a saintly priestly religious life but someone who's in the world who's very normal but who's is is holy and sanctified so yeah. that john john paul is very big on every field i want to have a saint in you know and not to say like we're just going to make saints out of the air but like let's look let's look to these places because holiness is is everywhere you know um and there are holy people so yeah. there's a number of them that he's canonized a lot of a lot of lay oh, saints yeah. oh yeah so, it's huge i love it yeah yeah, and 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 the beautiful thing is, you know, find your find your favorites, find find the favorites that are on your you know your birthday, your anniversaries, you know, even mm-hmm. your your favorite day of the year if you have one. Um, yeah, it's I've I mean I just from my own experience. I mean, there's like a number of different saints that I feel like I've grown in friendship with, mm-hmm. if you can say that. I mean, there's a funny story, Saint Claude de la Colombière. He is a mm-hmm. Jesuit saint. He was the spiritual director for Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque, and uh, I happened to take a Ignatian spirituality class. Had to write a paper on a Jesuit saint. Had to pick one. I had no idea who to pick, so I just looked on my birthday and his on my birthday this guy's feast day was. So I was like, oh, I'll do a report on him. So I read a couple books on him, did a report, and I was like, wow, this guy had some amazing stuff. And I read some of his writings, and they just like hit me hard, like just little little pithy sayings. Mm-hmm. It spoke directly to my heart and directly to my experience. And like, this is like maybe seven or eight years ago. And now every day on my, on my birthday, I always kind of share that day with St. Claude. And, uh, I kind of go, I kind of pull his book out every now and then to go back to it. And there's like a, there's a relationship that develops with different saints that you can, and that's the beautiful thing about the church. I mean, we have all these, the communion of saints, this is probably another podcast in itself, just talking about what yeah. the communion of saints is, but it's a, it's a great gift. And the, like, again, you know, we don't, we don't worship saints. We don't, you know, th- that's one thing that people find confusing. Yeah, like, point. what's the deal with saints? Um, they're really just, there are brothers and sisters who have just gone before us, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that, you know, I, I can ask you, Nathan, to pray for me or Father John to pray for me. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we believe that heaven's real, you know, and that they are more alive in heaven right now than we are on earth. You know, we think this is where it's at, but, you know, we're just, we're just stepping in the door of reality right now. Yeah. Um, and so they, we believe that through God's grace that, that we can have a, a relationship with them and their community through our relationship with Christ, you know, almost like God is this big tree and we're all just vines on the, on the, or branches on the vine, right? But we're connected to one another. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but we're all kind of moving into this one kingdom, this one body of Christ in heaven. And we're already participating in some way through our relationships with the saints. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. it. Like, and that, that's the crazy thing is that, that. And that's where we got to kind of our head ahead of ourselves is that when the church declares someone to be a canonized saint, they're making a definitive statement that we know definitively that this person is in heaven. Right. I mean, infallibly, 
this person if is, in, teaches, it's is in heaven. It's and, awesome. and the other beautiful thing is that um, every person in heaven is a saint. Uh, they all cry, holy, holy, holy. Sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. Mm-hmm. So um, even our relatives and friends who have gone before us and have lived a good and holy life, we can pray that they would enter into heaven and we'll be shocked at the number of people when we get there that it's like, you're a saint. Like, that's what we're aspiring to. We're aspiring to get to heaven. We're aspiring to be saints. So even I kind of depreciatingly say, well, I'll never be a saint. Yeah, if if well, I'm saying that I'll never get to heaven, I'll never be a saint. Uh, yeah. But once once that person is... Um, in 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 the holy of holies, they they that's they true. participate, and in that's that, so. really all of our aspiration. I mean, like we shouldn't say like, yeah, I'm not going to be. I mean, that's really we should all say, you know, I'm going to be, a, and I I will be a saint, and not because of anything I'm going to do, but because God's going to make me one. Right. Because He's that great, right? You know, and and we just that's where our focus is. Because if you don't want to be a saint, then it's like that means pretty much you, you don't you don't want to you don't want to be in heaven. You don't want to be yeah. in communion with God. Yeah. Uh, and that's because that's really what that is. So yeah. good stuff, man. This is awesome. That's it. I learned a lot. We are that's it, folks. We are running long, so I'm not going to read an email. Ooh. But I do want to give a shout out to Cassie from Macula Heart and Mary, who sent me a wonderful email picture of a yak, which I had requested. And <laughs> so she responded, I am enlightened. Yaks are actual animals, and they are fairly ugly. There you go. And uh, uh, I have received multiple text messages from my older brother, Mike. Um, that he hasn't got a shout-out yet. So, um, Mike, you're a good man. Um, you laugh at all my jokes. And uh, thanks for wasting your time at work and listening to the podcast. Other than that, we're all set. We're all set. Be holy. Oh, I do want to say, too, that I tried. I want to... Um, last time, I think Nathan and I were on the podcast together, we had talked about you performing Kanye West... Uh, at a Applebee's in oh, Illinois, right. and today I was like, "Oh, I would look because there's an actual video of this on Facebook that I you can watch." And I was trying to post it on our Facebook page, but it wasn't working. But I'm going to make it happen to Nathan's chagrin. Um, but that being said, go on Facebook. Um, we just found out that if you like us on Facebook, that's actually really good for spreading the word. Uh, I don't know how Facebook works. Spread a word, but go on Facebook, Catholic Stuff Podcast. Like us there. It's a good thing. Also, send us emails. Love it. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. So, peace out. I think that's all we got. Peace. <laughs>